August 2, 1990. Iraq attacks Kuwait, claiming the Kuwaitis are slant drilling into Iraq's oil fields. U.S. President George Herbert Walker Bush pushes for a land war against Iraq. But polls show the U.S. public is split 50-50 on that idea. Then comes this eyewitness testimony before a congressional committee from a 15-year-old Kuwaiti girl. The claim is she cannot be identified for fear of reprisals. While I was there, I saw the Iraqi soldiers come into the hospital with guns. They took the babies out of the incubators, took the incubators and left the children to die on the cold floor. The U.S. public is outraged. The result? Support for land war zooms. It's a turning point. Desert Storm is launched. 135,000 Iraqis are killed. An estimated 1 million Iraqis, many of them children and old people, then die as a result of 10 years of sanctions. One small problem. There never were any incubator baby deaths. Not one. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's investigative flagship program, The Fifth Estate, reveals the girl to be the Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter, given her lines and coached in acting by the giant American PR firm Hill & Knowlton. It's one phase in a $10 million joint U.S.-Kuwaiti campaign of deception. This man is lying. I myself buried 14 newborn babies that had been taken from their incubators. This man is lying. And they had kids in incubators, and they were thrown out of the incubators so that Kuwait could be systematically dismantled. There were a lot of people who participated in a conspiracy. Yes, an out-and-out -out conspiracy of fake organizations, false documents, fraud, and disinformation. So, if a new man named Bush is in the White House and helps engineer a brazen deception in order to achieve global geopolitical goals as well as domestic and personal ones, it wouldn't be a first, would it? a chair or how about this they used to have these couches called fainting couches sit next to one of them so at some point you might want to put your head between your hands when you think we're not near the bottom well here we are scraping the bottom don't know how don't know how but i was thinking about incubator babies strange 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 right I used to do logistics, many of you didn't know that, before I actually ended up in this crazy world of research. Um, I was the second trade show consultant in the United States. After I left Intel, I had a trade show consulting business. So logistics is my middle name. <laughs> so, I'm looking at these logistical aspects of transporting babies, okay? And... For some reason, and this is why I work in silence, the name incubator came to my mind. Well, incubators. What would you use incubators for? Well, how about a crazy, crazy story to cover a mass movement of infants across the United States? Make up an incubator story. This story is so wild that, uh, yeah, that's what caught my attention because just like the chin and just like the other things, like the orphan trains, they come up with a totally insane story to cover what they're doing. So, incubators. Also, incubators would be an excellent way to transport babies. You know, you could fly dogs in containers uh, in the belly of jets and stuff, so... When they have those um, orphan trains, why not have an incubator compartment for all those people who want those new babies? And I'm jumping ahead of my skis here because it's a little bit much to try to absorb. So just sit there for a second and let me go over some other stuff first. And then at the end, I'll get to 
when I'm thinking about all this stuff. I actually tried to record this yesterday, but I had just started digging for the information yesterday. When I scan for data, I scan, right? Not really reading it thoroughly. And when I got to the part about Germany, (laughs) hopefully I'll hold it together this time. Because it's rare that I record a show twice, because now I can't remember, did I say that before? So anyway, so let me try to get going here. Do you know that you can actually ship chickens, little peep, peep, peep chickens via USPS? Chickens, yeah, in a container. I only found this out because I live in farm country, and I happened to be at the post office, and somebody was picking up some chickens. (laughs) Baby chickens in a box. Yes, you can... um, you can purchase a USPS approved container and you can put your chickens in there and you can ship them. And yeah, so you can even get a postal approved rate for chickens. Chicken shipping. Long before the post office had created special handling guidelines for packages, children, I don't know about this story, okay? <laughs> children were delivered via baby mail. So the USPS, before they had some regulations, you could ship your child, but it wasn't like they said it was. The the kid went with a trusted postal worker and transported the kid. I don't know if I believe that or not. But anyway, so. But during that time, they also had human zoos, okay? Children and even babies were put on display in these human zoos. An example of one, this little black girl named Jackie, was kept in a zoo as a monkey to attract tourists while dressed in Western clothing in a Congolese village in the late 1958. This was a place called the People's Show. The patrons and the girl were separated by wooden fences as they watched in amazement. Human zoos, also known as ethnological expositions, were public displays of people, usually in an erroneously labeled natural or primitive state. They were most prominent during the 19th and 20th century. These displays often emphasized the supposed inferiority of the exhibit's culture and implied the superiority of Western culture. We're good, you're bad. All about divide and conquer. And did you realize I was looking at more of those orphan train show? Um, the people that rode on the orphan trains were called train riders, okay? I was reading some of the train rider stories. And all about divide and conquer, right? You realize that, and I don't remember if I said this before, so bear with me, I'm old. <laughs> so, um, every kid on an orphan train thought that their train was the only train going, okay? So all these kids spent their entire lives, because most of them, like, around, oh, they're probably about my mom's age, some of them, they were, it was going to, like, what, the 40s? So, yeah, all these kids spent their entire life thinking their train of orphans was the only train out there, okay? So they spent, before they started having these little reunions and stuff, Divide and conquer is the name of this game. And if I don't know how, people are going to just start to absorb this. They have us divided and split into all kinds of things, okay? Throughout their existence, such exhibitions garnered controversy over their demeaning, derogatory, and dehumanizing nature. They began as a part of circuses and freak shows which displayed exotic humans in a manner akin to a caricature while exaggerated their differences. They then developed into independent displays emphasizing the exhibit's inferiority to Western culture and providing further justification for their subjugation. Such displays featured in multiple world's fairs and then transitioned into sections of animal zoos, okay? So, I also think, and I I have to remind myself, let me make a note to myself, I think these incubators were also used to dehumanize kids, so uh, if I don't remember today, I'll remember later. 
What's an incubator? An enclosed apparatus providing a controlled environment for the care and protection of premature or unusually small babies. Also known as an apparatus used to hatch eggs or grow microorganisms under controlled conditions. And also there's this thing about um, incubators or groups of people who get together and cook up ideas. Ever notice that this country, people only do things that have to do with cooking up ideas to getting rich. What happened to the rest of humanity? Huh, guess we kind of forgot about that, right? I've always thought that whoever created money was the had the, really had the handle on how to um, determine our efforts, right? Because money left in the hands of most people becomes a weapon, right? And if you don't go around and collect that money, people will think that it's okay to rob you. Money tests people in so many ways that is absolutely insane, okay? All the ways that people will go after other people for money. Not love, but money. For the love of money. That's what these Jews have gotten the entire world to think it's all about money. So, let me get off my rampage here. And if you can help me with any money, please do. Everybody thinks the other guy is helping me, but really... (laughs) kind of struggling here my own family is convinced that i'm crazy okay so it's a little bit hard being handicapped and trying to survive because they set up the rules i didn't so i think it's quite simple with these baby incubators okay um i i figure the incubators they're cheap jews right the incubators would probably provide cheap transportation right maybe in the baggage cars out of sight on trains if you've watched any old movies in the baggage cars on these old trains and i do believe this is true of course they have baggage cars right there's typically an attendant in the baggage car area in the old days wealthy people would have kept their pets like their dog or something in the baggage area and the attendants would take care of it well, why not put incubators in the baggage compartment of that train? So, because remember, they had to come up with a story for getting the mass distribution of people and children into these different areas. I think they had probably built all these buildings and stuff before they brought us here to trick us. And then they had to quickly populate the world. They had the infant, the infant incubators was Coney Island's oldest and at times most popular attraction and its admission fees subsidized the development and application of groundbreaking medical technology. The story goes, and I'll get into the story, but let me just give you an overview because it can get a little bit confusing. We're only talking about a couple characters here, okay? This guy named Dr. Cooney, C-O-U-N-E-Y, okay? He allegedly is from France, but we wander through Germany through this little story here, okay? He intersects with another guy named Budin. This other guy is out of France, and they develop this incubator, okay? So, as the story goes, the Premature infants on display were being treated with equipment and techniques far more sophisticated than those available at most hospitals. They had a survival rate unsurpassed at any medical facility in the world. These babies on display at an amusement park, okay? The man behind this bizarre phenomenon, boy is it bizarre, a pioneering pediatrician and showman who became known as the incubator doctor was the first in the United States to offer infants this specialized care. Martin Arthur Coney was born in 1870, probably in Alsaka. That is in France. I looked it up. Oh, also speaking of that, yesterday or the last show I was talking about getting the drugs from uh, Pakistan over to China. (laughs) Yeah, I looked at the map after I hung up. I admit that I don't know the map, okay? And it was, um, yeah, they could have walked across the border, okay? No need to really fly. (laughs) Afghans on the border of China. So anyway, so, and keep in mind, spoiler alert, 
this Coney character wasn't even a doctor, okay? That didn't even come out until later. So let me continue on with this wild tale here. After studying medicine in Brussels, Berlin, and Leipzig, Coney traveled to Paris in the 1890s for postgraduate work under Pierre Constant Boudin, B-U-D-I-N, the other key name here, okay, a leading pediatrician who was experimenting with new methods for treating premature infants. Until that time, the medical profession had given them little hope, focusing instead on care of their mothers. As a result, premature babies rarely survived. According to Boudin, however, by the 1890s, medical advances had made this approach unnecessary. The modern physician, he wrote, freed from anxiety as to the fate of the mother, can now devote his attention to the needs of the infant. It had long been known that premature newborns lacked the body fat of full-term infants, were unable to maintain a constant body temperature. Early efforts to treat premature newborns, both systematic and makeshift, centered on keeping them warm with ovens, heated bricks, woolen garments, or hot water bottles. In 1853, a published medical study demonstrated that these newborns experienced a rapid drop in temperature, respiration, and circulation that could often lead to death. Later research showed that the full-term infants experienced a similar drop. Oh, crap. I moved up too far. Sorry about that. I just get on a roll. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. The challenge was to maintain the premature infant at a uniform temperature until its body function stabilized. In the 1870s, Etienne Stéphane, you know I don't know how to pronounce these, right? Tarnier, key word here, T-A-R-N-I-E-R, Tarnier, a physician began to study the problem of premature infants and found that maintaining a constant temperature was not enough. Survival of premature infants required isolation, faultless hygiene, appropriate feeding, and a warm, humid atmosphere. In 1880, inspired by a device used to incubate poultry, little chickens, Tarnier introduced the first infant incubators, essentially large wooden boxes with glass lids and compartments to hold hot water bottles. Using these, Tarnier was able to reduce infant mortality by 28% over a period of three years. Boudin was a student of Tarnier, and he quickly improved on Tarnier's design. He added a thermostat, installed glass plates to permit observation of the infant, and abandoned Tarnier's water bottles in favor of natural gas heating. In 1893, Boudin was appointed head of a special unit for premature infants at the Matania, in Paris, that was a maternity place in Paris, the first hospital to offer treatment for prematurity. He and Coney got into the exhibition business quite casually. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'm reading from what they wrote, right? Okay. They quite casually got into the exhibition business. It's funny how that works, right? These two doctors come up with this heating thing to save infants, and all of a sudden they're talking about going into exhibitions. In an effort to obtain more hospital space by generating publicity for their work, Boudin prevailed upon Cognier to display six incubators at the Berlin Exposition of 1896. He persuaded an esteemed German obstetrician to provide newborns from Berlin's charity hospital. Hoping that the admission fees would cover his expenses, Coney opened the Klinder, I can't pronounce this word. I want to try it. It means it's in German. 
It literally means child hatchery at the exposition. To his surprise, the kindergarten, whatever it is, became the subject of music hall jokes and cabaret songs. And thousands of visitors thronged the exhibit. Yeah, little tiny babies in glass enclosures. Rather than just break even, County made a substantial profit. The exhibit also proved a technical success. According to Coney, all the infants on display survived. In 1897, encouraged by his success, Coney moved to the Victorian era exhibitions at Earl's Court in London. In 1897, he moved from Germany to London. He immediately encountered resistance from the medical community. British doctors, scandalized by the notion of premature infants being publicly displayed, refused to send Coney any, even though they themselves offered the infants no other assistance. Relying on the association with Budin, Coney arranged to have three wicker baskets full of newborns set up across the channel from Paris. Oh, sent across the channel from Paris. So he got three babies sent in wicker baskets from Paris to London, okay? Like the Kinderbuckens, or whatever they are, this exhibit was tremendously popular and a huge financial success. On one day alone, it attracted 3,600 visitors. Unfortunately, Cooney's success encouraged competitors who were neither as qualified nor as scrupulous to open incubator exhibits in London. So, these competing exhibits incurred the wrath of the British press, which had initially supported Coney's work. One editorial declared that we should at once protest that human infirmities do not constitute a fit subject for the public showman to exploit. What connection is there between this serious matter of saving human life and the bearded woman, the dog-faced man, the elephant, the performing horses and pigs, and the clowns and the acrobats at the circus? Soon after, Coney, accompanied by his incubators, traveled to the United States to establish an exhibit at the Omaha Trans-Mississippi exposition in 1898 and kids we have our date we're looking at 1898 the lies began the population was moving into full force and remember there's an effort to get rid of old people and i'm not just saying this from a point of being paranoid just because i can no longer walk um, because old people remember things okay speaking of remembering I completely forgot because I had recorded this show yesterday or late last night and thought, wow, this is sounding crazy. Um, um, I remembered, let me back up here. <laughs> My memory's kicking in the gear. When I started looking at incubators, um, I thought that um, incubators would stack easily. They could provide easy access to transport and all those things. I had forgotten about the incubator clip that I played at the beginning of the show. Incubators are what they use to get into Iraq. Not completely, but George W. Bush, dad, was going on and on about incubator babies. That was the premise for going into Iraq war to change minds. Same thing as the um, deal with the orphans. That was set up to focus on just those orphans and not the mass distribution of children all over the place. When I say they're one-trick ponies, I'm not just joking. This is, in fact, another one-trick pony trick here, right, with these infants. And somebody's starting to bark around here. Jeez. Anyway, get get the story cooked up that these infants were only for display in circuses and things, right? Exhibitions. So, that say, this, in 1898, when they got into this Trans-Mississippi Exposition, 
the very first exhibit in Omaha, okay? That same year, Boudin was appointed to a position as at the Clinique Tarnier in Paris, the first medical facility dedicated to the treatment of premature infants. Using the incubator method, Boudin reduced the mortality rate for infants weighing less than 2,000 grams, about 4.5 pounds for you Americans, <laughs> and 98% to 23%. So, in 1900, Coney returned to France to work the Paris World's Fair. In the next year, found him back in the United States, setting up an incubator exhibit at the Buffalo Pan American Exposition. This was nothing but a early adoption for infants, okay? Because, come to the fair, get your baby, right? So... Probably some of these kids were traveling as part of these fairs, not probably, likely. And some of them were likely riding around in luggage compartments on orphan trains. So, found him back. America offered the exhibitor substantial opportunities. At the time, there was a major exposition almost every year. Every year, a major exposition. That was the reason for all these expositions, right? Um, <laughs> populate this country. <laughs> um, many visitors, wary of the notion of seeking pleasure for its own sake, welcomed the presence of educational shows on exhibition midways. I think these exhibitions were all real. I mean... Here in the 30s and stuff, they had all these carnivals. I mean, I've got vintage pieces from the 30s. They used to give away these carnival toys and stuff. So, yeah, I completely, I don't believe why they made up this story, but I completely believe this carnival and these expositions. These expositions were likely a way to fund, and they probably got money from these expositions, and the expositions were a way to repopulate this country, probably as simple as that. Any huge, complicated plan these people have usually is something quite simple beneath it all. I mean, really, who would come up with a story about those chins? That cleft chin they all have, right? Who would come up with a story that had to do with incest and inbreeding and all that to cover for their chins? They come with b bizarre stories, okay? So, um, they were doing all of these amusement parks during that era, and I, re I, I believe that part's true. So, Coney decided to remain over here. In 1903, Frederick Thompson, a showman who had operated and exhibited Omaha and helped design the Buffalo Midway. They were called Midways, M-I-D-W-A-Y, Midway, embarked on an ambitious project at Brooklyn's Coney Island, which, which in the words of the New York Times, had become famous for catchpenny schemes, toboggan slides, wheels big and small, and dance halls of more or less repute. During the winter of 1902 to 1903, 3,000 workers built Luna Park, then the most elaborate amusement park ever constructed, decorating it with a quarter million electric lights. What have I been saying all along? These are gypsy horrors, okay? They're setting up the big tent. So behind the big tent, they're running children, infants and children. How much more clear could this be? Set up a frigging carnival? <laughs> I mean, come on. And while behind the carnival, this dark, evil thing with the babies? Oh, my goodness gracious. Thomas Thompson, the, the guy that said this park, Frederick Thompson, in 1903, the showman, he persuaded Coney to open a permanent exhibition at Luna Park. And although Coney eventually established incubator exhibits at amusement parks in Chicago and Atlantic City and demonstrated his technology... At 43 World's Fairs, 
Coney Island would be his base for the remainder of his career. The Coney Island Infant Incubator exhibit was, for all practical purposes, a small hospital. An array of a dozen or so iron and glass incubators were heated from hot water pipes connected to a central boiler. Air flowed into each unit through a triple filter system from a 40-foot flue, believed to be above the dust line. Drawing air through small exhaust fans mounted to, on the incubators, they provided a complete change of atmosphere every five seconds. A staff of trained nurses attend the, attended the infants, who rested on fine wire hammocks inside the incubators. Wet nurses fed those strong enough to suckle, while the others were given mother's milk with an eyedropper. A baby's stay might last a few weeks to a few months, depending on how well it developed. People greeted the attraction with a mix of curiosity and naivety. Early promotional literature for one of Coney's exhibits observed that the public has peculiar notions concerning these inst- this institution because the word incubators to the uninformed is apt to suggest something more or less like the mere rearing or preserving of life. As a result, visitors often asked how the babies got into the incubators and where Coney had obtained the eggs. On occasion, someone would ask to have sexual intercourse with the incubator device. A truly astonishing example of the error's faith in technology. <laughs> no, I think that's an example of how sick all these people are, okay? Okay, one infertile woman wrote to the American Medical Association certain that Coney could help her conceive. Often the hardest task Coney's lectures faced was simply convincing skeptical sideshow patrons, fresh from viewing bearded ladies and sword swallowers, that the babies really were alive. But whatever the motivation, visitors came in droves, paying a 25-cent admission fee, two and a half times the going rate for Coney's other attractions to see the display. What is this about? Evil coming packages help? Coney, what a great guy. Medical history. Not even a doctor. Saving all these babies. (laughs) Maybe I'm just too suspicious at this point of the story, okay? Maybe I'm just a little bit too suspicious. But let me keep reading here. Most were women, and the exhibit seemed to have a special appeal to childless women. Special appeal to women without children. Many customers returned daily or weekly to follow the progress of a particular infant. One regular came to Coney's incubator every week for 37 years. <laughs> Certainly that was made up. A journalist reporting on a visit to Coney's exhibit at Luna Park observed that the babies proved to be very little ones and very good and clean, and all were asleep in their small crystal houses, which are kept in just the proper temperature to make the occupants grow and keep good and healthy. And with... And the... Boy babies were tied with blue ribbons and the girl babies with pink. And the audience, mothers for the most part, discussed their relative merits and compared them with other babies of their acquaintance, including vivid memories of their own. After Cody's arrival at Coney Island, the Brooklyn Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children launched an investigation into his activities. It was a serious matter. 
Subsequent investigations by this organization would result in the suspension of several Coney Island sideshows, including the public display of a pair of 11-year-old Siamese twins. So, a visit to Coney's showcase revealed rows of warmed glass-fronted incubators supplied with filter air containing little pitiful pinched-looking waifs. The only things that indicated that they were alive were the healthy color of their little faces and the faint flutterings of movement upon closer inspection. In the new book, The Strange Case of Dr. Coney, How a Mysterious European Showman Saved Thousands of American Babies by Don Raphael, reports that Coney may not have actually been a doctor. He also seems to have been cognizant of the theater elements of a good sideshow. <laughs> yeah, was he ever. In 1939, speaking to the New Yorker, Coney explained, All my life, I have been making propaganda for the proper care of preemies, who in other times were allowed to die, he said. Everything I do is strictly ethical. By one estimate, Cooney saved the lives of 6,500 infants. His decades of caring for premature babies has been credited in the development of neonatal care in hospitals. By the early 1940s, interest in Cooney's expositions had waned and hospitals were beginning to open units dedicated to the care of premature babies. Coney died in 1950 at the age of 80. Remember, 1940 was not that long ago. At the time of his death, he was reportedly broke, but he was memorialized in the New York Times as the incubator doctor. So, here's a story of a baby. In 2015, two years before she died at the age of 96, this woman named Horn, H-O-R-N, was asked by her daughter as part of NPR's Story Copes program about being on display as a tiny infant. It's strange, she said, but as long as they saw me and I was alive, it was all right. See how we always say those things? People would say that about victims in my forum all those years. They would say things like, well, you know, even if the guy was a psychopath, I mean, come on, at least he wasn't Ted Bundy and you're alive, right? They use all these things to minimize our feelings and about things. So, yeah, false equivalency. So, um, here is another story that I thought was kind of interesting. And um, it said... The Franco-Prussian War in 1870-1871, along with the famine, had contributed to a significant population decline in France. Another part of their cover story, right? You know, Biden is supposedly from France. All those fake DNA kits, what's that all about, right? Um... Good luck trying to trace your family back past, what, the 1890s? (laughs) To increase the growth rate, the French needed to start having more babies as quickly as possible. But one obstetrician realized that if he could find a way to reduce infant mortality, then the population growth would be solved far sooner. Let me interject what I think about these incubators here because otherwise I may just forget at the end. Um, I think incubators can serve a few purposes here, right? They can serve a distinct purpose of transporting babies around in a very efficient way because you could put a whole bunch of incubators in one space. Probably only have one attendant there, right? Incubators don't have to be for premature infants. They could just be for babies, right? Just make them a little bit bigger. And there you've got your transport for babies and incubators also people have made jokes about incubators 
Jerry Seinfeld in one clip, he joked that his father was an incubator baby from Coney Island. There's something with these incubators. And also, and remember, this part, pay very close attention to what I'm saying. I am guessing here, okay? I think that incubators would be a way that they would use to cut costs also in these breeding places. They're breeding babies somewhere, okay? And I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. In this baby breeding operation they have going on, why would they keep the mother in the picture? The mother would only cause problems, right? Problems and more money. Get the mother out of the picture. Immediately take the baby from the mother into the incubator, right? The incubator could also... And remember, I am just guessing here, right? Just using some logic here. What do babies need to grow up to learn and grow? Well, the mother's touch. That's why these psychos in this country, they charge a new mother $35 on her hospital bill to have skin touch with her baby, okay? They pay in this country to hold their own babies, okay? So, I think they know about babies that go untouched. Because remember, all those orphans they were telling us about in Romania, all those horrible stories about the children and those cribs lacking human touch? Maybe, and just maybe, these incubators serve another function that other function to dehumanize these babies because if babies are raised dehumanized possibly that's a way they develop more psychopathic traits and i will get off of that now i am just wandering around in my thinking (laughs) welcome to my world so let me try to pick up where i left off here so this is a new story, okay? And this is an interesting one because it starts from the from the perspective of the French, okay? So, this French obstetrician, Dr. Etienne Stéphane Tarnier, who having observed the benefits of warming chambers for poultry at the Paris Zoo, he had these things done, okay? But incubators were relatively new. And... Um, I'm going to get past Coney because this part just repeated itself. But interestingly enough, Coney had worked with doctors in Europe and brought this to America. But it wasn't that simple. At the time, and this is a very key point here, okay? They also had to convince women to have babies in hospitals. Access to babies, right? The hospitals. The hospitals replaced the nursemaids, right? The people like that woman in Russia who was going around gathering up babies and putting them onto carts. The hospitals really replaced the midwives in a very dangerous way here. At the time, most babies were born at home. And so hospitals did not want or need the expensive equipment. So like in Europe, Dr. Coney began to set up incubator shows in places like this exposition in 1901 in Buffalo, New York. So um, I think that this is what it was. Eventually, Coney set up permanent incubators on Coney Island from 1903 to 1943. And the other at a place called Dreamland. Dreamland is what this country should be called. I swear everybody's in a dream. Try to tell somebody that this place was constructed to deceive, and people will think that, well, it's crazy, right? Yeah, I think probably what had happened was they came over here from Europe, set up some buildings, and then really had to start bringing the people in, right, to make this whole thing work out. They're just setting it up to trick whatever's coming because they think if they can hide, and I don't know. I'm not going to get into speculating about that, but... Cody rationalized that public, the public nature of these exhibits by being able to prove to a dubious public that this new technology actually worked. Talk about an example of evil coming packages help, right? 
by being able to continue to afford the staff and machinery through ticket sales and most importantly be able to save the lives yeah i i'm not even going to start speculating how many lives of infants probably bit the dust along the way here right supposedly coney even cared for his own daughter who'd been born weighing more than three pounds yeah what a guy right put his own daughter in this thing and um, the story goes, his daughter later worked at one of the as one of the baby attendants. <laughs> okay, so uh, the um, New York Times in an article in 1904. This means it must be full of lies, right? Um, which this whole thing brings up a million questions like why are they gathering everybody's DNA I think that telling people they need to learn their genealogy I'm not really sure about all this stuff I think these uh, gypsy Jews have cooked up these DNA kits as a matter of maybe just making money I can't imagine they would do something to either kill us or just make money off us right money is indeed the root of all evil Cling to it at your own peril, folks. Cling to it at your own peril. It is the biggest tester that's going on right now. Everybody is replicating the Jewish Jews patterns of hoarding money. All anybody talks about is getting rich. What about focusing on things like this? Instead of getting rich, what about looking into the horror that is behind all this money? It took a war, famine, and poultry to develop the technology breakthrough responsible for saving thousands of premature infants. No, I have to think that this is all a big lie. Um, it is all to transport and get babies desensitized to human nature. And they cooked up this huge story. And that's why now they're continuing to cook up crazy stories about all this transhuman stuff. And there's a lot of movies about babies in incubators. We can tell by these stories about Iraq. Incubator babies seem to bring up a lot of emotions in all of us. Incubator babies are the most helpless babies of babies, right? In the baby world, who is more helpless than an incubator baby? So, yeah... Bless the children, right? Bless the children. Boy, what a world of horror this has been. What a world of horror. And I'm not even close to getting started. I haven't figured out where the breeding mothers are. Have some ideas. But I'll have to get back to that later. Kind of worn out today. I'm sure you're probably kind of worn out too. So um, I do have another clip at the end here. Um, Just so you know... What happens is I get the urge, I'm having coffee, I want to share some of my research, so don't drop down to the reviews and call me crazy. And there's an hour or so after I record the show that I have to upload the audio to this, and then it has to upload to the cloud, and then it goes to our guy in Bangladesh. So during that time, I'll be picking out things that go in the front and the end of the shows. So no, I don't always know. It's just as much of a surprise to me as it is to you. So welcome to my world here, trying to research as much as I can. If you can find any way to support me, it would be appreciated. I'm out here on my own, and it would be very much appreciated. So listen, this will not get any better, but let's try to hang in there, okay? We need to hang in there together. This has been a very, very crazy effort that they have done. And it is so much out there that it's actually hard for most people to understand because it is everything. They run it all. I've been saying for years. They've got us cornered. We're surrounded by psychopaths. They're sitting all around us. Be safe out there. Goodbye for now. My whole life, I always was hoping to meet other people who were saved by Dr. Cooney. He saved thousands of babies, so we're grateful to him. Hi, I'm Kathy Ashmeyer, and I was born in July of 1939, and I uh, was uh, two months early when I got to New York Hospital. Uh, 
They put me in an incubator, which was one of the first they ever had at New York Hospital. And they said to my father, how are you going to pay for this? She's going to be here for a few months. And my father said, I have no idea. I just bought a house. I have a three-year-old. I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this. We can take her to the World's Fair. And she lives out near, you know, you live out near there and we'll take her there. So they took me by ambulance to the New York World's Fair. 39 World's Fair, and I was on exhibition for two months. The most exciting part of it, when I was about nine years old, my father had to take me back to New York Hospital because he got a letter saying that they needed to examine me, and they found out that I had very good eyesight, and they said to my father, why does she have such good eyesight? And and my father said, well, she was, you know, here for only two couple of weeks, and they said, oh my goodness, because she wasn't here, her eyesight is perfect. The incubators here had too much oxygen. So not only did Dr. Cooney save me, but he saved my eyesight. My name is Beth Allen, and I'm proud to be one of Dr. Cooney's babes. I was born in May of 1941. I weighed one pound, 10 ounces, and I was um, born in what is now Mamamides Hospital in Brooklyn. I was a twin. My twin was a little smaller than I was, and her lungs were not developed enough, and she only lived for two days. Um, the doctors at the hospitals told my parents that I should be taken care of by Dr. Cooney, that he was the only one who could care for me. And my mother was very against having me sent there. She knew of the exhibits in Coney Island. She knew it was a sideshow. She told the doctors that her baby was not a freak and she did not want me sent there. So I guess they contacted Dr. Cooney and he came to the hospital and spoke to my mother and he must have been very persuasive because he left with me and I was in Luna Park in the incubator for three months until I weighed about five pounds. For several years after I was home, my parents took me to visit Dr. Cooney every Father's Day, and they did go to his funeral in 1950 um, when he died virtually penniless because he lost all his money at the, at the World's Fairs.